Well, hello and welcome to the Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark and uh, hope you're in the mood for some good jazz today. We tend to focus on certain elements, focused elements of jazz recorded history. And today we're focusing on one group and uh, one specific part of the career of one group. And the group is the Mills Brothers. And uh, this was a, uh, a group that was called in its uh, early days anyway, Four Boys and a Guitar. And that's for good reason, because that was what the group consisted of. Four boys, in these case brothers, actual brothers, and a guitar accompaniment. The Mills brothers were from uh, Ohio. They were actually born in Pequot. Uh, and uh, the oldest, eldest, I should say, was John Mills Jr., who was born in 1910. He also, for these early recordings, was the guitar player. And he was joined by his brothers, Herbert, who was born in 1912, Harry in 1913, and Donald in 1915. And they were raised in a middle-class uh, African-American household. Their father was a barber, and uh, in African-American tradition, barbershops were often the center of uh, kind of amateur and uh, uh, fun music making. That's where we get barbershop quartets and so forth, and these uh, boys learned to sing in that style. Maybe not what we would consider classic barbershop quartet harmony today, but they were harmonizing on tunes from the late 1800s, from the early 1900s, pop music from uh, the period where they were adolescents, and uh, they learned to uh, create quite a, an interesting and uh, very nice blend of their four voices. Something that they also did, which was uh, remarkable for the time, was that they imitated instruments. Uh, by using their hands and uh, mouths and so forth, they could imitate the sound of tubas, uh, trumpets, and trombones, occasionally saxophones as well. So sometimes in the instrumental, if you will, passages of the Mills Brothers records, people thought there was actually a band, uh, which there was not. It was just them uh, making those sounds. Although they did record with some very... Uh, fine jazz artists and pop music artists in the 1930s, and we're going to hear a selection of those recordings as well. So they started performing in the late 1920s. In fact, they made a test recording in 1929 for Janet Records, uh, which was never released apparently, and probably uh, just as well, because they uh, delayed their recording debut for a couple of years. They started recording for Brunswick in 1931, largely at the behest of Duke Ellington. Ellington's band was touring through Ohio, and uh, they heard uh, the Mills Brothers either in person or on their radio show. They were the first African-American group uh, in that area, anyway, to have a regular radio show, which was broadcast on WLW out of Cincinnati. Ellington recommended that they uh, be auditioned by Tommy Rockwell, um, who uh, put them in the recording studios in 1929, and or excuse me, in 1931, and they started uh, making a series of recordings of pop tunes and jazz tunes just by themselves with uh, John Jr. playing a guitar accompaniment that became quite popular to the point where they started appearing on other people's radio shows and also in films from the middle 1930s on. They were also some of the first stars of the uh, new Decca recording uh, line. Decca had been active in England in the early 30s, but Jack Cap opened a branch of Decca in the United States in the fall of 1934. We've heard of quite a few recordings from that early period done by Fletcher Henderson, um, Earl Hines, and uh, several other groups as well. Uh, Cap was very good about recording African-American jazz groups. He wanted to get some uh, recordings uh, that would turn into hits, and he had a, an ear open to African-American music practices at the time. Uh, the Mills Brothers and uh, Louis Armstrong, and to a lesser extent Jimmy Lunsford, all became big stars on Decca. The uh, Mills Brothers continued to record for Decca, I think, longer than anybody else, all the way up through the 40s and I think even into the 50s. They were still making uh, recordings that were going, uh, uh, that were charting, if you will, uh, in um, uh, for Decca Records, rather. So we're going to start out with a set of Mills Brothers and guest stars, or maybe better to the point that the Mills Brothers were the guest stars on these recordings. So the first one uh, features some of the stars of Brunswick Records, and it's a tune called Doing the New Lowdown. Uh, and it will feature, in addition to the Mills Brothers, Cab Calloway singing the lead part of the vocal, and uh, the Don Redman Orchestra. Don Redman, of course, was the great jazz arranger for Fletcher Henderson in the 1920s. He later, at the end of the 20s, went with McKinney's Cotton Pickers, spent a few years with them. We've done podcasts on both. And then he uh, founded his own band, big band, in about 1931 that started playing at 
Connie's Inn in New York and recording quite frequently. And we're going to be doing a podcast on that group coming up. But this is a recording that featured, uh, as I said, his label mate, Cab Calloway, who uh, here appears without his band, and the Mills Brothers. And it should be mentioned that all three of those uh, entities, Don Redman, Cab Calloway, and the Mills Brothers, recorded at about the same time for the Fleischer Brothers cartoon studio. They did, uh, uh, in Calloway and Redman's case, they actually played on Betty Boop cartoons, in which they were seen uh, in live action shots at the beginning and end. And the Mills Brothers did a couple of Follow the Bouncing Ball sing-along sides for, um, uh, for the Fleischer Brothers as well. So there was a connection between uh, the Fleischers, Paramount, and Brunswick Records. So that's doing the new lowdown. Following that, we're going to hear uh, a live broadcast from slightly later. This was done for the Fleischmann's Yeast Program, which was a big radio show in the mid-1930s, starring Rudy Valley, the crooner. And uh, Rudy Valley... Uh, was an interesting character. He had led the Connecticut Yankees, which was a, a dance band in the late 1920s uh, out of Yale University and, and also uh, the University of Maine. Uh, he uh, had some interesting hot recordings, but he was primarily a singer of uh, up-and-down quality, shall we say. But he had an excellent radio show, and he brought on quite a few good guest stars, including the Mills Brothers. And the Mills Brothers were with him for uh, a number of shows, and I think they even uh, head the, headed the show when uh, Rudy Valley was on vacation one summer. So this recording, the second one of our set, is Dinah. And this is done with the Rudy Valley Orchestra in the background, but also Alice Faye, the actress, who at the time, I believe, was married to Phil Harris. And she sings uh, the lead, backed by the Mills Brothers. That's from a broadcast of November 30th, 1933. I should mention, doing the new lowdown was from December 29th of 1932. Then we're going to finish up with two recordings that uh, the Mills Brothers made with Louis Armstrong. And these are two, of course, great DECA stars. Uh, it's just Louis playing trumpet and singing with the Mills Brothers and the guitar. And uh, the two tunes that we are going to hear are Darling Nellie Gray from April 7th of 1937 and from June 29th of 1937 in the shade of the old apple tree. So two good old good ones, as Louis would say, uh, but some very clever swing accompaniment and uh, showing you the versatility of these four boys and guitar, uh, the Mills Brothers. So we will uh, hear those four tunes for our first set. Doing the new lowdown, Dinah, Nellie Gray, and In the Shade of the Old Apple Tree. <laughs> Thank you. 
the new lowdown. Assisted this time by Alice Faye. The song is Dinah. Dinah is the renewing time in the state of Carolina. If there isn't you know her, show her to me, Dinah. Got those sixty eyes blazing. How long to sit and gazing to the eyes of Dinah Lee. about me Oh, Donna Should you want the two China I would hop an ocean lala Just to be with Donna Lee Oh 
even all the day Oh, you're gone from the old Kentucky shore Now, boys, what do you know about this? My poor Nellie Gray They have taken you away And I never see my baby anymore Oh, baby didn't do the same I am sitting here by the river And I'm all in a shiver For you've gone from old Kentucky shore Oh, baby didn't do the same Baby didn't do the the Mills Brothers recording with some other contemporaries. We started out with that kind of semi-all-star, I guess sort of a vanity record for Brunswick Records that featured the Don Redmond Orchestra with vocals on Doing the New Lowdown by Cab Calloway singing the melody and some instrumental backup and uh, a uh, sort of a solo instrumental passage by the Mills Brothers in there as well. That was from 1932, as I mentioned. Heard a little bit of a tenor solo by Robert Carroll, but otherwise it was all the vocal through there. Then we heard Alice Fay, backed by the Mills Brothers, doing a live recording of Dinah on the Fleischmann's Yeast Show that was uh, the vehicle for Rudy Valley, who introduced the song. And that was uh, from... 1933, November 30th of 1933. And we finished up with those two sides uh, that uh, combined the talents, uh, vocal and uh, ersatz instrumental of the Mills Brothers with Louis Armstrong singing and playing trumpet. Uh, and he clearly was inspired by the swing that this group uh, got. Those were from 1937 and they actually represent a slightly later version of the Mills Brothers. Their eldest brother and guitar player, Har uh, rather uh, John Mills Jr., he also was the bass singer, uh, had died uh, earlier in the year, I believe, or actually in 1936 of uh, uh, complications from pneumonia. He had actually contracted that while he was on tour with the brothers in England. It was their second trip to England, and somehow he uh, got a respiratory disease that... Uh, 
progressed further and further, and he died in January of 1936. So rather than break up the act, uh, their father, John Mills Sr., stepped in. He did not play guitar, but he did sing bass, and he stayed with the group uh, into the 1950s, after which it became a trio. Uh, but they did also have to employ a guitar player. So the guitar player on those two Louis Armstrong recordings we heard was Bernard Addison, who was very well known uh, from the late 1920s on as a banjo and guitar player who played with Fletcher Henderson, with Benny Carter, quite a few other groups as well. Very uh, accomplished guitar player, did an excellent job in the backgrounds uh, of these Mills Brothers recordings for several years as well. And so he uh, was featured on those late 30s recordings accompanying the four, or the three Mills Brothers and Mills' father, I guess you'd have to say. So as I mentioned, uh, the Mills Brothers became one of the early acts for Decca Records and one of their biggest and most consistent hits. As I said, they kept recording up through the 1950s. Uh, they changed labels after a while. Uh, they were recording for Pickwick and some other um, uh, labels for one-shot recordings and so forth. And they actually uh, had their last charting success with a tune called Cab Driver and I think it was 1963. So 30-some years of, of, of charting hits. And that's a, a bit of a record for a vocal group. And Mills Brothers were influential on uh, jazz groups, vocal groups. Uh, Harry Mills especially, who sings a lot of the more jazzy lead parts uh, as opposed to uh, Donald Mills, who was more of the romantic singer. Uh, Harry was a big influence on on Bing Crosby, but also especially on Dean Martin. Dean Martin uh, referred to him several times as a, as a big influence on his style. Uh, but the group itself, as I said, was uh, really transcended jazz and pop music. They crossed over into uh, onto the pop charts in the 1940s. They were the model for a number of other uh, black vocal groups that uh, we think of from a slightly later period, like the Ink Spots and even some of the doo-wop groups of the 1950s. So right after Decca Records was formed, uh, Jack Cap brought the Mills Brothers in to make quite a series of recordings, actually. These were all done in, as I said, the fall of 1934. There were about nine or ten of them, I think, in September. Uh, September 12th, 13th, and 14th. We had uh, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve recordings made over the course of those three days. The Mills Brothers were known as an exemplary uh, group in terms of professionalism. They could go in and, and do uh, four or five recordings in one session without a lot of retakes. In fact, without any retakes sometimes. They were so well rehearsed and knew their repertoire and each other so well. So they were very efficient in the studio, which endeared them no end to Jack Cap, who always had his eye on the clock and budget as well. So we're going to play a somewhat long set uh, here of recordings from those uh, September 1934 dates. This will give you a good cross-section of the Mills Brothers repertoire at the time. We're going to start with Sweet Georgia Brown, which was a jazz tune, of course, going back to the 1920s, 1925. Uh, Ethel Waters had a hit recording of that, and it was adopted by just about all jazz players for the next two or three jazz styles coming up. Then we're going to hear a James P. Johnson tune called Old Fashioned Love, a little bit sweeter. And then going back to Eddie Leonard around 1909 or so, we're going to hear Ida Sweet as Apple Cider, which was taken by Eddie Cantor as a, as a theme referring to his wife, Ida Cantor. Then, from that same vintage, 1911, 1912 or so, we're going to hear some of these days, Shelton Brooks' big hit um, for Sophie Tucker and many others as well. After that, uh, a tune by Paul Dresser called uh, My Gal Sal from about 1916, 1917. The story goes that Paul Dresser, who was penniless at the time, actually died from alcoholism and related causes and, and supposedly had the manuscript for this tune on his person. It had been unpublished and it became his uh, biggest hit. I don't think that's quite right, but it was indeed his biggest hit and one of the signature tunes of the 1910s. After that, we're going to finish up with a tune from 1922, an English tune by Philip Bram called The Limehouse Blues, which became beloved of uh, jazz musicians of the 1920s and 30s. And here we will hear the Mills Brothers doing an excellent jazz arrangement of that. So those are our tunes, and this represents half of their output from those three or four days. Sweet Georgia Brown, Old Fashioned Love, Ida, Some of These Days, My Gal Sal, and The Limehouse Blues. Thank you. 
sweet Georgia Brown Two left feet but also neat As sweet Georgia Brown They all sigh and want to die for sweet Georgia Brown I'll tell you just why You know I don't lie It's been said that she knocks and dead When she landed down Since she came, why it's a shame How she cools them down Fellas that she can't get All the fellows that she ain't met Georgia claimed her and Georgia named her Sweet Georgia Brown I 
So there we have the fruits, or half of the fruits, of the September 1934 sessions done by the Mills Brothers for the new DECA label just being launched. We started out with Sweet Georgia Brown, a very uh, jazzy performance, and one that really brings the jazz singing of Harry Mills to the fore. I mentioned how Dean Martin credited him as a big influence, and we can hear why right there. After that, we heard the James P. Johnson tune, Old Fashioned Love. Then a kind of a, a, an energetic version of Ida, Sweet as Apple Cider. That's an, a song that's often taken rather slowly, but not here. Then Some of These Days, the uh, standard from about 1911. My Gal Sal, not done as a, uh, a sappy waltz here, but definitely as an as a energetic foxtrot. And then finally the Limehouse Blues, featuring probably the best of the instrumental interludes by the Mills Brothers, the Four Boys and the Guitar. So we're going to do another set uh, featuring the Mills Brothers with some guest stars, some of their um, uh, DECA and Brunswick cohorts at the time. The first one uh, will be uh, a tune called Big Boy Blue, and this features a, 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 a union of the Mills Brothers and Ella Fitzgerald, who was just then beginning to rise to prominence as a solo pop and jazz vocalist. She was singing with the Chick Webb band at the time. Chick Webb was recording for DECA, uh, with Ella Fitzgerald, certainly. And uh, this was a, a brainstorm, presumably, of Jack Cap to combine the two. And this was one of the two or three titles that they recorded. Big Boy Blue, from January of 1937, again with Bernard Addison on guitar, along with the Mills Brothers. John Sr., father of the Mills Brothers, and Herbert, uh, Donald, and Harry. After that, we're going to go a little bit earlier. We're going to hear, uh, back to the Brunswick years, a couple of uh, collaborations between the Mills Brothers and one of their biggest fans, uh, Bing Crosby. Later, very much later in life, I think celebrating the Mills Brothers' 50th year in show business or something uh, in the mid-1970s, not long before he died, Bing Crosby was the, uh, the host of the program that was the salute to the Mills Brothers at that point in their career. But this is a much earlier period, and we're going to hear uh, Bing Crosby singing actually some very respectable jazz. He was really a jazz singer early in his career. He was with the Rhythm Boys, of course, uh, which was another vocal uh, harmony group, only three of them. They tended to do more jazz novelty stuff. And then, of course, he became a solo vocalist, first with Paul Whiteman, then out on the West Coast with uh, Anson Weeks and uh, Jimmy Greer and different groups before going out on his own, becoming a movie star and a radio star as well. But he always remembered the Mills Brothers, and they frequently collaborated over the years. We're going to hear two tunes that they did in about 1932-33. We're going to first hear... Um, what are we going to first hear? We're going to hear Dinah. We already heard a version of Dinah uh, with Alice Faye. This one is going to feature Bing Crosby. This is actually from 1931 and features the, uh, the studio group, probably led by the Dorsey Brothers at the time for Brunswick, uh, Bing Crosby and the Mills Brothers, Dinah. And then we're going to jump over a couple of years to 1933 to uh, a favorite recording of mine, My Honey's Love and Arms, Bing Crosby with the Dorsey Brothers Orchestra and the Mills Brothers. Then we're going to finish up with uh, the arguably the best jazz record or the best jazz backing the Mills Brothers ever had. We're going to hear the Duke Ellington Orchestra fronting uh, the Mills Brothers with Digga Digga Doo from December 22nd of 1932 in this case. And we're going to hear the Ellington Band from that period. They were just getting started on Brunswick Records as well. And uh, we'll hear Johnny Hodges and Barney Begard, Cootie Williams. Uh, and the whole crowd there. So that'll be Duke Ellington, who also, as we remember, gave the Mills Brothers their first big national break by recommending them to Tommy Rockwell a couple of years earlier. So those are our four tunes for now on the Mills Brothers and guest stars, Big Boy Blue with Ella Fitzgerald, Dinah and My Honey's Love and Arms with Bing Crosby, and Digga Digga Doo with the Duke Ellington Orchestra. Big boy blue, come blow your horn. Big boy blue, it's almost done. And the band will soon be gone. Come on, blue, blow your horn. Big boy blue, it's getting late. Big boy blue, my feet can't wait. So before you abdicate, come on, blue, blow your horn. When you blow hot, so hot, how am I gonna keep my seat, even with my two left feet? 
I must give in, I mean give out Big Boy Blue, you know it's so Big Boy Blue, before you go Send me fast and send me slow Come on, Blue, Lord So when you blow high, so high, how am I gonna keep my seat, even with my two left feet? I must give in, I mean give out. Oh, big boy blue, you know so, big boy blue, before you go, swing me high and swing me low, come on blue, blow your horn. Big boy blue, come blow your horn. Come on, blue, blow your Every night, why do I shake with pride? Because my dynamite changed your mind about me. The name of this song is Dinah. Said it. The name of this song is Dinah. Tell it. The name of this song is Dinah. Oh, it. The name of this song is Dinah. Oh, Dinah. Anyone finer in the state of Carolina? Oh, if there is any, you know where I would like to have you show it to me, Dinah. Got those Dixie eyes blazing. How I love to sit and gaze to the eyes of Dinah Lee. The 
China. Wanna do China? Would get me an ocean liner just to be with China. Your loving arms, they hold a world of charms, a place to nestle when I am lonely. A cozy Morris chair, oh, what a happy pair! One caress, happiness seems to bless my little honey. I love you more each day when years have passed away. You'll find my love belongs to you only. Cause when the world seems wrong, I know that I belong right in my honey's loving arms. <laughs> Diggy-diggy-doo, diggy-doo-doo, diggy-diggy-doo, diggy-doo. <laughs> 
So that was the Mills Brothers from a couple of different points in their career. We heard Ella Fitzgerald and the Mills Brothers on Big Boy Blue from 1937, and that was a uh, performance that had Bernard Addison again on guitar with the Mills Brothers and their father, John Sr., doing the vocal quartet and instrumental uh, imitations behind Ella. We went uh, back a bit uh, for the last three selections. These were uh, Brunswick recordings that were uh, done while the Mills Brothers were uh, doing their thing for that record company. And uh, we heard first Bing Crosby and his orchestra, not the Dorsey Brothers, as I had mentioned. This was uh, under Bing's name and was a group of studio musicians, white studio musicians from New York, including Eddie Lang, who was uh, Crosby's accompanist for the early 30s and up until he passed away, I think early in 1934, very suddenly. So we heard Don featuring Bing and uh, the Mills Brothers in a very jazzy performance from 19, late 1931. From 1933, we heard uh, Bing Crosby along with Eddie Lang again and the Mills Brothers doing My Honey's Loving Arms and a very uh, up-to-date jazz performance from that period. We heard an instrumental interlude uh, by the band, a smaller group, that really presaged the swing era and, and uh, did what we would call Dixieland jazz, even though that term wasn't used in the context at that point. We heard Bunny Berrigan on trumpet, Tommy Dorsey on trombone, Benny Goodman on clarinet, Fulton McGrath on piano, Artie Bernstein on bass, and Stan King on drums, along with Harry Hoffman on violin in there, and Eddie Lang, backing the Mills Brothers and Bing Crosby, obviously having a very good time with that tune. And then we finished up with Duke Ellington and his orchestra. Duke, of course, uh, was the catalyst for bringing the Mills Brothers to the attention of Tommy Rockwell and getting them their first recording contract for Brunswick in 1931. Uh, this is a recording from 1932 when uh, Duke had just switched over to Brunswick Records, and we heard Digga Digga Do, a tune that was composed for one of the Cotton Club reviews uh, by Jimmy McHugh. And we heard the Mills Brothers singing and also doing their instrumental uh, imitations along with the Duke Ellington orchestra, and hearing some solos along the way by Harry Carney on baritone sax, Johnny Hodges on soprano sax, and Cootie Williams on trumpet. And it's interesting to hear how much the instrumental imitations by the brothers sounded like the Ellington horn section, a very uh, a clear path of influence there. So you've been listening to the Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark. Hope you've enjoyed this program and hope you check in occasionally to see what we're up to. We're doing quite a lot of different types of jazz and uh, more to come, I hope. Hope you'd be interested in sponsoring us as well. Always looking for some new members of the family uh, on a monthly or a one-time basis. And uh, hopefully you like these programs enough to do that. So, until the next time, I'll see you on the other side.